Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And as always, Michael, you can call us the front of the plane too, because we are all business to begin with. We are on the home stretch now. If ever mm-hmm. two men were all business, or two women, or two dogs, or two cats, or two horses, or two turtles, or whatever the hell else is in this show. And if you'd like to follow this podcast, you can do exactly that at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. You can also follow either of your hosts on Twitter or Instagram too. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or you can follow Michael Hamflitz. At Michael Hamflitz. You can get Podcast Horseman pretty much wherever you can get podcasts at this point. And so you bloody should do. We're right at the bloody end of this thing. You can get us on Apple Podcasts where you can follow or subscribe depending on what version you've got. On Spotify where you can still follow um, on Overcast, which I certainly recommend, where you can do anything you like with it, but it's just the easiest way to listen to it. On all the great podcasts, including, of course, Amazon Music, our good friends at Amazon Music. Uh, I know nothing but good things those guys do in terms of how quick they get the uh, deliveries out, how uh, good the interface of Amazon Prime is when you try to watch other shows beyond Mad Men. Never had a complaint in my life of any of my Amazon's services, including their hosting of Podcast Horseman. And, of course, you can get them through Acast. If you want to stream or uh, subscribe or download or whatever, you can do so through the link on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter thread. That goes up every Friday, like clockwork, or there or thereabouts. Um, and on if any of those you want to leave us a five-star review, we'd be very, very grateful. It might be coming to the end of Podcast Horseman, but we'd like to think the podcast will live forever out there in the podcast sphere. Those uh, five-star reviews, whether it's something nasty, whether it's something nice, will fool the algorithms, will rig people into fighting us, whether they want to or not. And we'd love it if they did long after we're gone. Um, and if you leave us a review, it won't be in vain. In fact, it will be there for you if you're vain, because you stand a very good chance of getting it read out for our Hollywood talk of fame. Get a star. It looks great. It's got your name on it. And you'll get read out on this very podcast, as will somebody else at the end of this episode. Yes, indeed, they will. Assuming, of course, that one of these days Amazon doesn't decide to completely kibosh us after all <laughs> of Michael's verbal assaults and, of course, the imminent threat I'm sure Jeffrey Bezos is feeling from both of us as we climb the monetary ladder in life with this podcast, <laughs> as we all know. 
raking it in, my mm-hmm. friend, raking it in. Although we would actually pay our taxes. Anyway, let's go hey. across Netflix for the, this week's synopsis for the episode. Now, before you all start panicking, we realised after we finished last week's episode, we would normally give you a huge warning. As you mm. all may have been coming at this thinking, oh my God, the the guys at Podcast Awesome have told us time and time again, be prepared because episode 11's f***ing suck. <laughs> <laughs> Most times you're in for a bad or rough time, but usually good, mm. but usually intense. But of course, it's slightly different, isn't it, this time round? Because we've got 16 episodes rather than the usual. So the episode 11 is not the like penultimate episode where you'd expect mm. something big to happen that's usually catastrophic and heartbreaking and all of those good, fun things. However, it doesn't mean you shouldn't tread carefully in this one either way. This is still a bit of a biggie, I think it's fair to say, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's got all, it's got all the sort of the uh, the haunting uh, qualities of an episode eleven, if not the literal devastation that may still be to come. This is a spoiler free podcast, but you, I think you all know where this is going to end. I feel like if you've been listening to this podcast and watching this TV show long enough, <laughs> I think it's just par for the course now. But anyway, mm. this episode is called Sunk Cost and All That, season. Six episode eleven. While Paige and Max question Mr. Peanut Butter at his restaurant, a panicked Bojack tries to piece together what's happening. And while it may not be the eternal dread that comes with an episode eleven in a season of Bojack Horseman, we're still ready because we finished the last one, if you recall, in the middle of absolute panic as Bojack dropped to the floor, having a bit of an anxiety attack, to say the least. Indeed. And we pick up um, episode 11 right where that left off. Uh, We are in Bojack's office at Wesleyan and Diane and Princess Carolyn are carrying him through. He's still passed out. Uh, They managed to get him sat down in the office. Todd is explaining that he arrived just as it was all sort of happening to Bojack. He doesn't really know what occurred. Um, It was all as Bojack was hitting the desk. And uh, at this point, he's uh, being followed. Everyone's being followed in by all of Bojack's students. He Todd manages to shoo away from the door. They're all in very celebratory mood because obviously the show had gone really, really well. And they've maybe not quite seen what's happened to their beloved professor. Um, he gets them away um, by telling them how great they were, um, which he then reveals immediately to be a desperate lie. Uh, Bojack wakes with a startle. He's gasping and he's saying, quote, they found out. I didn't. It's not true. It's all stumbling, half-finished sentences. He needs air. But when he races for his door, he just finds more students uh, singing, quote, for he's our trusty director, which is not giving him that fresh quality that you really need. Slams the door, stays in the office, and he doesn't want them uh, outside to know, but he agrees to tell everybody inside. It's all the gang. It's all of our favourites, apart from Mr. Peanut Butter. They're all there. And he agrees to tell them, and I guess us, as long as they promise not to speak to reporters. Diane reiterates that promise that they won't speak to reporters, if only to put the word reporters back in the dialogue, because the one guy not in the room, <laughs> Mr. P- Mr. Peanut Butter, is literally speaking to reporters. <laughs> <laughs> we get a pullback and reveal of him with Maximilian and Page, and he's saying how he's, quote, would be delighted to talk about Bojack Horseman. (laughs) It's one of several great uh, reveal gags in this one. And that's where we hit the episode proper, but there's a little bit more scene setting that we get to before we really get into the meat of things. Um, We're back in the restaurant, which is um, Elefino's, the former Elefante, now obviously purchased by Mr. Peanut Butter, uh, Pickles and Joey Pogo in the last episode to help Bojack with his his financial woes. Um, They're in the restaurant. And uh, while... uh, 
Max and uh, Mr. Peanut Butter having a conversation in the background. We are focused on um, Paige, who is having a conversation with her fiance. They've used this quite smartly. As difficult as it is to get around Paige's double talk, they've kind of used her conversations with Baxter, her fiance, over the phone as a way to do a little bit of exposition, just to move the story along at what maybe Paige and Maximilian have been up to. She's doing all that, um, discussing all the adventures, but she does note that her and Max um, shared a bed to save money and showered together to save water. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but other than those, quote, mild inconveniences, it's obviously all gone really well. They find themselves, um, obviously, in Mr. Peanut Butter's presence, and they hope it sounds like they're going to get all the information they need. At this point, we go to Peanut Butter. Uh, he's explained the concept of Elefino to Maximilian. Um, Pickles wanted small plates. Joey Pogo wanted Lazy Seasons. And Mr. Peanut Butter wanted his face on the menu. So they've combined, not so much to make a theme, but to just make all sorts of those things happen. He says, quote, it was the perfect compromise because everybody got what they wanted and nobody needed to compromise. I laughed at that. And then the more I thought about it, the more I don't know if I've watched too much Bernard Carlson. That started to make all the sense in the world. Maybe that's a credit to the writing. We go back briefly to Paige uh, speaking to Baxter. We've seen this gag before where she always has these conversations on old timey phones with those ridiculous long leads. She's causing chaos, as she always does, to every background character she encounters. Um, but she is at least very confident that they're finally going to be able to tie Bojack to Sarah Lynn's death and uh, as long as like going on about a million other things in this one call to Baxter this catch-up call it is revealed at the end in a great gag that this is a voicemail it's blah blah blah, 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 blah. <laughs> call me back when you get this pray for Baxter when he picks that one up um so yeah that kind of that's all our characters established. This is not going to be one of our traditional episodes where we cut between A, B, or C or anything like that because everything is interwoven for the, throughout the course of this episode. But within the cold open and pretty much the first sort of minute and a half of the episode proper, you know where all of this is going. The truth finally has to be revealed and dealt with in that office in Wesleyan with all of our main cast of characters, all the people that have supported and propped up Bojack, except for the one guy that is probably going to do his best to prop him up in a different building and maybe give the entire game away with our intrepid reporters. All things are finally coming together in the worst way for Bojack. All the pieces of a very ugly puzzle are starting to come together. Mm. And you can tell at the very beginning of this episode, the way they, they use the sort of Bojack having the panic attack in the previous episode, or the anxiety attack, to then obviously him, Princess Carolyn, uh, Diane, Todd and Ruthie all end up in the office. It's a great setup to get them all where they need to be in that specific room. And of course, Peanut Butter being the, out of all of those people who could be, maybe aside from Todd, perhaps, mm. like out of all the people who are in the room with Bojack, the one you'd probably want to be in the room with Bojack, <laughs> if you were trying to make sure that like it was just these people in the room who were discussing everything, you'd want Peanut Butter there because he's, <laughs> So blase and so like living in his own world, and he's a dog, Michael. So he's just <laughs> he's just prone to going over and giving people what they want and talking and stuff. And you'd be worried, wouldn't you? You'd certainly be worried if you were Bojack Horseman in this scenario. Yeah, they've uh, already played to Peanut Butter's natural people pleasing instincts by mm -hmm. being patrons in his restaurant. It, you don't sense it's going to go well. Um, it's quite nice here as well because we go back to Bojack's office in Wesleyan, and he's concluding the New Mexico story. At long last, mm. every character explicitly knows all the details of what went down. And yet we don't see the story get told. So 
Bojack, to us, the viewer, has sort of dodged the worst of watching these characters experience this story blow by blow. But what we do get, rather interestingly, is the characters having to make their minds upon this in the context of Bojack's current situation. It's not just him, guys, I need to I need to unload this terrible thing that I've done. Like, judge me at your will, tell me what you think. They are instead of reacting to it in terms of why this might matter right now. Um, Princess Carolyn, as you may expect, kind of like springs immediately into work PC, into kind of like how best to to figure through if this if this is really going to matter all that much to Bojack's career and his legacy and all that sort of thing. She thinks fundamentally that it's going to be fine. She can't spot any legal issues with it. But Diane uh, and then later Todd flag up that it's not so much of a legal issue. It is, in Todd's words, super sketchy. Um, Diane is really, you can see, very put off by the, the contents of the story. And we know, obviously, the, the previous episodes of Ours, Diane's dealt with the complexities of feminism. You can see she's kind of having a lot of like internal struggles with herself, having heard all of this. Um, Diane also notes that um, just because uh, it's not a legal thing, could it be something else? It's the first point at which Bojack has stopped because obviously it was the, the anxiety attack was triggered by Charlotte's call. He's kept those two things together. Whereas Diane, for the first time, suggests, well, you know, have you done anything else? Because we think you've probably done some something else's. Um, <laughs> Princess Carolyn asks the question that we've kind of wanted to all be laid out for all these years, but maybe none of us want the answer to. Quote, tell us every bad thing you did. More on that in just a second, because we go back to Elefino's. Um, Mr. Peanut Butter is sitting down to talk to Maximilian and Paige. Um, but we find out through Pickles and Joey Pogo that the dishwashers have all quit. It's because there's too many of these in small plates. It looks absolutely ridiculous. There's a nice detail of where that I'm probably trampling your toes slightly. There's a lovely detail. You are seeing piles and piles of small plates in the kitchen and these unused, pristine, big ones on a shelf above. Um, it's forced the dishwashers all out. Joey Pogo and Pickles are constantly bickering about if this restaurant really needs to be the way it is. Should point out as well um, that everywhere you look, there's Lazy Susans. Everything is on a Lazy Susan. This is used to just tremendous comic effect throughout the mm. entire episode, as it would be anywhere where tables constantly spun. Um, but in this case, it's an issue over all the plates. Uh, Pickles notes that they're very important because they're part of the dining experience. This was her pitch to the theme, so she wants to defend it for the group. Um, and it's she argues that it's his Lazy Susans, Joey Pogo's Lazy Susans, that are ruining the idea altogether. Mr. Peanut Butter, feeling in one hand like he wants to put the fire out, but also that he wants to be involved in this chaos, says, oh yeah, what about my face on the menu? Both of them completely no-sell this and couldn't give a toss and refuse to acknowledge it as part of the problem whatsoever. Um, Pickles and Joey Pogo sort of make a compromise. They agree um, that kind of like nobody cares about the face of the menu and at very least um, maybe Joey Pogo could start washing up. If he gets to work on it with any luck, they can get things back on the go. But Pickles takes Mr Peanut Butter aside to ask if they can get rid of him outright. Um, she says that uh, Joey Pogo and Mr. Peanut Butter are, quote, total opposites. A bit more <laughs> on that later on. But um, thanks to a bit of uh, sort of uh, counselling from Mr. Peanut Butter, she agrees to try and make it work with him one last time. Uh, in the meantime, Paige and Maximilian are bickering about the case and exactly how to proceed with it, whether or not to chase more Bojack leads or to keep looking around Sarah Lynn or other people that might, Bojack might have affected. But in a, it's in a rather sort of flirtatious fashion. Um, it's at this point that um, Mr. Peanut Butter finally returns to break that little bit of dialogue up between them. They're kind of like nearly an intimate moment between the two. Mr. Peanut Butter returns to answer their questions once and for all. But before they can drill down, we get a huge crash that breaks up that conversation as well. 
Pickles has spun uh, customers' lazy season far too fast. Uh, she's wrecked somebody's meals. The two patrons are covered in dinner. Um, and Pickles and Joy Pogo have a blazing row. It's something like an extreme version of the one that we just saw happening between Maximilian and Paige. But it's sort of suspiciously passionate. Um, more on that later too. They storm back off in the kitchen together. Um, Max immediately seems to spot with his uh, sort of detective's eye on, seems to spot a bit of chemistry between the two, though Mr. Peanut Butter doesn't. Um, we'll travel back to Bojack's office in just a second, but they're kind of laying out something that we're all allowed to see here, and certainly we're going to get more discussion on it throughout the episode. But they've gone in hard on both the chemistry, shall we say, between Joey Pogo and Pickles and Maximilian and Paige. Bojack Horseman does this all the time. You have sometimes several examples of the same thing occurring for you to be able to, for those two things to eventually overlap and you to get lots of gags of it and stuff like that. But I think it was just quite a nice and neat way to obviously bring them literally together in a restaurant, but bring the plot points together around a Mr. Peanut Butter who is, at this point at least, remaining clueless to both. Like both setups, both potential setups that are going on around him, he's kind of oblivious to both of them. He's there because he wants to be in this new restaurant. He wants to believe that his face on the menu matters, bless him. And he wants to believe that he is ultimately the glue that is holding Maximilian and Page's fractious relationship together when we're starting to realise that maybe there's something a bit more to their bickering. There's something a little bit more flirtatious to it. I just thought it was nice how they put poor old Mr Peanut Butter in between both these things happening and he was probably the last one in the room to pick it up. The room that had his face everywhere by his own admission. It is absolutely everywhere in there. Um, it's interesting this, isn't it? Because they kind of play up to the fact that he's like, it's obviously they do it many times in the show, his dog tendencies coming out. And of course, <laughs> the dogs love being the centre of attention, don't they? They want to be in the middle of the room. They want everybody to be focusing on them. And ironically, he ends up not being a dog at all. He ends up being like the, mm. a third wheel in two different situations. Like, yeah, the strange chemistry that's going on between Joey Pogo and uh, Pickles and the like, arguments that they seem to be having and disagreements and just clashing in general. But then you get this other whole other side of it where you've got Max and Paige who are slowly but surely realising that maybe there's something going on here. I mean, you mm. did say they had an almost intimate moment in the restaurant. Is it more intimate than showering together, Michael? Sure <laughs> I mean, well, I'm not entirely I mean, sure it is. Saving, saving water, aren't they, you know? Yeah. I mean, how much more than we could have We are back to Bojack's office. Um, obviously, um, this was following Princess Carolyn's insistence that Bojack reveals everything. <laughs> we get uh, a gag of the whiteboard where Bojack's name was um, on in permanent marker. He'd wrote it on with a Sharpie, obviously. And they've just had to, around the Bojack Horseman name, of just or Professor Horseman, I believe it was, on the board, they've just had to write down all the bad things he's done. The board, predictably, is absolutely loaded full of stories. Um, Bojack, having obviously gone through the ringer in putting these stories on, we join him at the end of this process, or seemingly the end of this process, and he kind of starts lashing out a bit at all of it. He starts getting quite defensive. He doesn't want the, He doesn't want his life anymore to be hounded by reporters and the like. It's all things that had in his past. He changed. He's better now. All that kind of stuff. Um, in the meantime, while Bojack's going off on this rant, Todd is adding things to the board that he later moves to the side and reveals are things that Bojack specifically did to him. And um, the things that personally affected Todd, like in contrast to all the other things that just affected other people. And Todd makes a point that he's very sad that what he's seeing right now is the old Bojack having spent so much time with the new one. 
Um, he looks pretty full on about the whole thing, like he doesn't want to be there. Um, says that he's got to get Rethi to bed and doesn't really want to be contacted again until this new Bojack is back. Um, not quite the potent F-bomb Todd leaving the room that we had once before, but um, just a little bit of a break on this because this was a really short scene. But Todd's decision to exit what was an exclusive in the no club, I thought was pretty powerful in this episode. Huge, I think, really huge because it was a really good indicator to what you can see happening on screen with Bojack as well. I mean, we've seen him do so much at rehab and to come out, and we've talked about this many times. Just because he, just because he's been to rehab and has done such a great thing in terms of trying to turn it around for himself, as we mm. saw at the end of the mid-season break, uh, that episode eight. That does not change the effects that this has had on the many, many lives that have like come into contact with him. And the, the use Todd brilliantly here, I think, to show you just how much Bojack is slipping into that old mindset because he goes into survival mode at this point. And instead of instead of like trying to just front up to it as he's supposed to these days, as this is the new approach, mm-hmm. he suddenly feels like he's getting cold feet about that and He's trying to be selective with that, more to save his own skin, because it's almost like he suddenly, that tendency of, I did the thing, so I deserve the thing, which is the mm. reward. But there isn't a reward. That's not how it works. The And that, that and entitlement slowly creeping back in that he's put to bed for so long at this point and during all this rehab. And it's interesting to see how that is kind of punctuated by Todd leaving, which if anybody hadn't quite picked up on, I mean, it's impossible not to, but if anybody hadn't quite picked up on that vibe yet, then you realise, actually, this isn't the good version of Bojack. This is him slipping into his old ways, and it's happened real quick at the sight of anything (laughs) that might happen to him. He's gone back to, like, instant alienation within sort of five or ten minutes of supposedly pouring his heart out to all these close confidants. Um, That situation will probably get worse before it gets better as well. Um, But more on that in a bit, because we are back again to Elefino. It jumps around a lot this episode. And we've got Pickles and Joey Pogo back arguing in the kitchen yet again, leading Pickles to um, suggest to uh, Joey Pogo that this plan isn't working. And maybe they just tell Mr. Peanut Butter that they form the emotional bond required for them to have sex. Joey Pogo, quite logically at this point, goes more further and says, well, why don't we just tell him that we've had sex? But Pickles makes a point of saying, no, lying about that sort of thing is what got us into this mess yeah. in the first place. That, again, is that like tremendous warped Bojack Horseman logic that yeah. doesn't make the character sound stupid, but makes the gag very, very stupid. Um, but yeah, Pickles is uh, adamant, I guess, that, that go ahead. Um, we go back to uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, Maximilian and Paige. They're back at the table. Um, the more Mr. Peanut Butter explains, the more Max starts to uh, explain the situation that's gone on with uh, Pickles and Joey Pogo, the more Max starts to get across the point that Pickles loves Joey Pogo. He's trying to yeah. tell him effectively to his face the more he's learned about this situation. Um, he notes all the bickering and the flirting, which again is kind of a reference to what he's been doing with Paige. Paige interjects at this point, saying, "Quote: Why would she fall for a dashing cad like Joey Pogo when she's engaged? She was sweet, dependable, predictable, safe, boring, perfectly adequate, Mister Peanut Butter." Mister <laughs> Peanut Butter pulls a really confused expression at this. She continues, "Quote: She only tolerates that other fellow because she has to for work." again you are left yeah. kind of like hangs in the air we get a look at max kind of thinking this through uh, but they max and page are still very much on opposite sides of the tracks to suit their own flirtatious bickering as well as it is mr peanut butter's situation max is arguing one way page is arguing the other 
until it's revealed um, at this point that it is very much allegorical for their strange bedfellows connection. Um, they appear just about to kiss. Uh, and Mr. Peanut Butter is even framed as being in the middle of this kiss, appearing as though he's, um, it's it's very reminiscent of the sort of popcorn eating meme. I think he's got like nuts on the table or something, mm. but he's eating. He gets to be front row for the two of them realizing, having that great romantic, cinematic romantic realization until he kind of inadvertently breaks tension and says, well, we're not going to get back to talking about me. He has still somehow managed to miss the point completely. Um, and it gets back to the chat about Bojack and Sarah Lynn. Max and Paige sort of managed just about to catch themselves. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter notes that um, Sarah Lynn and Bojack stole Diane's jacket during their bender, which drags Diane all the more into Max mm. and Paige's orbit. Um, it's kind of, I think it's the first time that her name's been dropped with them, but it's certainly somebody now that he's worth getting in touch with. Um, but that is broken up. It's quite a revelation, but it's broken up by Pickles and Joey Pogo coming over to Mr. Peanut Butter to know that they have feelings for each other and they're going to go have sex which suddenly, having everything started to click, Mr. Peanut Butter is less than enthused with. <laughs> big sort of reveal there, big name drop of Diane. Again, more net closing stuff and a sense of, I don't know, a sense that maybe things are not all in need to be between Mr. Peanut Butter and Pickles as well. I think when it dawns on him, you realise that it could be happening for real. Yeah, I think when it dawns on him is probably after he sees what this kind of tension and like actual feeling can do to two people whether he's realized that or not of course there's a whole other kettle of fish but when he's watching Paige and max and this is all unfolding i think he sort of through osmosis has taken this into his head <laughs> and then when he sees that these two have come along and announced joey and uh, and pickles announced that they have even though they're lying at the time and like oh, we've had we've got the emotional connection I think it's like, oh, oh no, <laughs> what <laughs> What am I doing here? Why have I done this? This is a bad move. And yet, of course, it's Mr. Peanut Butter. So he's like, cool, I guess you better go do this sex then. <laughs> yeah, it's become, it's become more strange. His agreement to this whole idea yeah. has become more and more strained as it's getting along. And it's such a pain thing for him to have to suffer through. And let's not forget as well, I'm sure it was like 32 other people should slept with at this point where she <laughs> hadn't managed to find an emotional connection. That's a whole lot of people on top of it, you know, quite literally. <laughs> I want to get back on top of this plot, otherwise I'm not going to be able to get back on top of myself here. We are back in Bojack's office. And You're supposed to be the mature one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The mature old dad, Michael Hamflet. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing at the very funny joke of a second board of Bojack's bad things that has already been filmed in the time that we've been away from the Wesleyan office. Um, See, you could also, have, if you were from the northeast, the second board could have been a whole other kettle of fish, couldn't it? <laughs> Bojack. Uh, Bojack's <laughs> Speaking of terrible acts, we are dealing with Bojacks at this moment, not our own. Um, Paige calls Diane. The phone goes off, and obviously we know that, um, uh, well, we have a good idea of where this might go. Diane awkwardly just about gets her off the phone without revealing too much, but now they know this is all about Sarah Lynn. Everything, which is quite funny in and of itself, The Bojacks got the trouble of revealing in front of everybody, literally every bad thing they've done, and then William on phone call has cracked it and figured it out. So he's put himself through that one, but, you know, Karma says he probably had that one coming. Um, back in the restaurant, Pickles and Joey Pogo uh, are in the um, like a kind of pantry, I guess, a cooler where some of the food's kept, 
And they appear to have had uh, very extremely enjoyable and satisfying sex. They talk more about the connection that they might have made in that moment when they were clearly blind to the one that was happening beforehand. Um, he casually drops in how he needs a social media brand guru, just someone who gets him as well as she does. So let him know if she can think of anybody. It's that awful, oh, so close. Uh, he, that's him away. Anyway, that's him now off on his tour. Um, I guess nothing really has to mention for Joey Pogan. Now he's off on his tour alone. Um, he's got an empty seat on the plane next to him. The plane that he's boarding at gate six. The plane that he's boarding at gate six that he gets on at 10.38. Uh, he leaves and she builds him a sad farewell. I don't suppose any of that information is going to come up later in the episode. I would normally say more on that later, but I, I can't see why any of that would matter. Um, we go back to Bojack's office and it's truth time. Uh, they want to do a, um, quote, poor Bojack angle. Princess Carolyn is already mm. thinking spin, working out, now that it's a Sarah Lynn thing, how exactly they're going to be able to cope with this with the press. But when pushed by Diane, Bojack finally admits that he gave her heroin and then admits he was with her when she died, which again is in itself a reveal that Bojack has said all of these things and has still not told the truth about Sarah Lynn. Um as we find out, he says he notes that he's never told anybody that. That appears to be some sort of act of contrition to Diana and Princess Carolyn, that if I'm telling you this, you realise how far this has gone and how far we now have to go. Mm. Um, Diane, you can see, she's really well animated here, growing more and more disgusted at this point. Her face is screwing up as all the issues that she already had with his situation in New Mexico and all the stuff that she'd all, the complex emotions that she'd always grappled with about Sarah Lynn. All, you can see it's all just bubbling under. But that conversation is broken up by the party and students that are still outside having a whale of a time. Um, they've been having their cast party all night, and at long last, they managed to get his attention. They've kept being staved off and staved off and staved off, but enough is enough. Um, they got his attention, and they wanted him to uh, read out a couple of uh, superlatives, their end-of-year awards that they're all doing together. Um, Bojack uh, concedes to Princess Carolyn that he's tired of running from all of these acts, not least the Sarah Lynn one, but he just wants one last nice thing before whatever is to come mm. is to come. Um, naturally, uh, after a, a bit of sort of interplay between Bojack and some off-screen students that we don't see, um, it's really all about him. They've brought him out there to uh, award him best director, and he delivers a really lovely, earnest, charming speech about how they've basically made him want to be a better person in this time. This has been this year that has felt like it's changed everything. It's really beautifully shot as well. We see Bojack on a stage speaking to people that we know there that we can't see. There's one single spotlight on him and it's through a doorway because we can also see Diane and Princess Carolyn reacting to everything Bojack's saying as the speech is ongoing. Um, they can't help but smile at hearing that Bojack had genuinely made progress and forged a connection with these students. But in the same, well, in the same sort of breath, I guess, the smiles turn to abject sadness the more they consider uh, the reality of the situation, the more they consider perhaps how short-term all of this is because of the, the bad things that potentially come in Bojack's way. Uh, he ends his sort of speech to them with, quote, I just want you all to appreciate this time and how special it is and how fast it'll all go away. Please cherish this. And he's fucking right. And I took about 15 minutes off to have a bit of a cry to myself at the most relatable moment in Bojack Horseman history. <laughs> and then I got back on with the episode. I just... I, 
Let's just take a brief stop for a second. We're recording this in um, September 2021. And we would have been recording in September 2022, but obviously that was a very different time. Nobody could leave, let alone go to their new cities, their new lodgings, their new halls, their new whatever. If you are listening to this and are a first-year student at university, heed Bojack's word and please, for God's sake, heed mine. These are wonderful times. Thanks for choosing us as you start university. If you're looking out the halls of residence window right now, listen to this podcast and thinking, ah, oh, I wish I did a podcast on Bojack Horseman. Listen to me. The guy doing the podcast on Bojack Horseman is wishing he was staring out of the halls of residence window. Heed Bojack's advice and I hope you have a lovely university experience. It's really, really great. I just really needed to get that out of my system. Let's get back to the show, shall we? Uh, he gives his entire class the superlative for best I'm sorry. Accent. I'm just going to go out now uh, because I've, I want to go out now, so <laughs> you've got this, haven't you? Yeah, I'll send I, you the notes. I'll cover it. Yeah, I'll you cover can it. you can do the rest of this. I can hear the city calling me now, <laughs> staring out the window, looking at all the freshers, thinking, "Come on, baby!" <laughs> and this has been podcast horseman, and just the headphones just leave spinning in midair. Yeah. This has been podcast Hamlet. He's got it from now on. I, uh, <laughs> I'm off out. <laughs> For some horsing around. <laughs> <laughs> just look, I, I'm not depressed. I just really appreciate relatable content. And speaking of giving the best actor award to bad actors, that's what Bojack does to his students. Um, and, it, and what's nice about this is that he leaves the stage to a standing ovation, wild cheers, genuine respect and adoration from the audience. It doesn't really matter the context of the moment. It, there is a delicious, dark and tragic irony to him finally getting what he wants as he potentially walks away from it forever. Because back in that room, it's doom all over again. And we're going to head into like the, the closing stretch after this. So what was your take on that quite emotional and evocative scene with Bojack, the students, Diane, Princess Carolyn? And again, the reveal of something now suddenly more serious between Pickles and Joey Pogo. Yeah, I think Pickles and Joey Pogo are going to have to wait, unfortunately, because there's some bigger fish, <laughs> bigger horses and cats and people to fry. Because over at Wesleyan University, that is just what a beautiful... Like, I don't think I've appreciated this scene, actually, in any of my previous watches or rewatches uh, as much as I did on this uh, review. The setup of... Well, for starters, Bojack finally accepting that, you know, actually, maybe I should stop running from all this. And as Todd asked for earlier... New Bojack, I think we can both agree, that was returned. Like, has realised, oh, it doesn't just stop. Like, you have to keep paying the toll. Like, I have to keep atoning for the problems and the, the sins. Like, that's mm -hmm. how this is going to work now. That's life. And you have to just take whatever the consequences are. Instead of trying to come up with some alibi, instead of trying to come up with half apologies, and as you say, watching Diane struggle with how difficult and how uncomfortable she is with this, because... We are seeing to the angel and the devil on Bojack's shoulder, essentially. Princess Carolyn, ironically, in this situation, is playing the devil. She's trying to find a way out. She's, mm -hmm. she's, it's this amazing, it's a brilliant way that this show has tackled a very important topic that was going on at the time, that it was going on before the show, that will be going on after the show. Of like, And it's also a, it's a question I don't have the answer to myself either, because when, when has someone truly like made up by the mistakes when is someone truly paid and when will is it ever because ultimately it's up to the people who decide to interact with you after the fact once you've done your yeah. penance or whatever you wish to call it 
they can still choose not to. They can still choose not to have you in their life. They can still choose not to believe you. They can still choose not to to sort of accept your growth, which isn't which mm. might be frustrating for the person who's done all the growing, but that's the reality of it. And watching Diane trying to push Bojack in the right direction, and Princess Carolyn trying to manage her all right once client, current mm. friend, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> like, you can see what she's trying to do. She's a professional at this, but it really put that spotlight on this is the dirty survival techniques that gets used time and time again specifically when she talks about apologizing for a general thing which kind of doesn't admit to anything yeah but is written in a way that people will interpret to be the apology for said thing you mm. know what i mean you're not you're not taking the blame you're just apologizing like the old sorry if you were offended by this or yeah. whatever the old blanket apology but i'm actually not going to admit to anything you know, that one. Um, but it's amazing hearing her talk about like that and Diane, the other side of the coin there. And then to put them, that setting for when Bojack goes out, on, it's just out on stage with the spotlight on him. I mean, there's a metaphor in there for the whole show right there. But then to have Princess Carolyn and uh, Diane on either side of him, the two people who've been trying to give him these different viewpoints who are just kind of on the same page at this point because they're watching and they're listening to him basically just trying to trying to do right by the people he's just worked with for the last year, trying to be honest, mm-hmm. trying to tell them some truths. But also he does, there's the showman board at the start of that where you can see Diane's still kind of uncomfortable with it all and it's, it's fake and it's phony. Mm-hmm. But something about him being out there and it's like, it, I felt like the reality was in the office. Like that's, this is the real world in the office. But the way they put him outside in that door, it's like you're stepping into the TV. It's almost like you're stepping on the yeah. set of Horsen Around You. You're stepping into the, the fictional world for another five minutes so you can just placate everybody who's out there and they can all do their applauses. And it's all it's all nice and it's all wrapped up in mm-hmm. 30 minutes. And then he comes back through the door and all of his problems in the world are waiting for him. And I just thought, <laughs> whoever came up with that setup for that, was it, it's absolutely fantastic. It really, really worked so well. Yeah, you're right. It's It's... Um, as you sort of say there, the fact that it plays with television, which is, I guess, like the cause of and solution to every yeah. problem that Bojack's ever encountered. That like that gap, that divide that he's basically built for most of his professional career, having this one last go at that before, which he basically begs Princess Carolyn for as well. He begs mm-hmm. for that. I'll go yeah. and have this, and then I'll come back to whatever I've got to come back to. And I guess, gone. It's it's just give me my last moment in the spotlight, isn't it? That's what it is. It's, yeah, it is literally that, and it. He makes it count, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. nice to see him actually try and pay it forward at the end and not make it about him so much, even though, I guess, it was kind of impossible for it not to be about him. <laughs> there uh, there will be more doom to come for Bojack, but let's go to some gloom back in Elefino's. Um, Mr Peanut Butter is sat alone at the bar when an owl comes over to compliment the uh, Lazy Susan Little Plates theme. Um, it's a nice gag about, obviously, that's kind of perfect for an owl, if not anybody yeah. else. Um, due to how anatomically an owl is arranged. Um, but he, he, again, doesn't give a toss about Mr. Peanut Butter's face being on the menu. It was not a detail of this themed restaurant that he particularly picked up on and cared about. Um, in the meantime, Max appears to talk up Pickles and uh, Joey Pogo yet again and how, quote, tragic it is that she's, quote, promised to another. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter rather angrily gets across that this he's the another that we're talking about here. And now he is at least in the room and he's in the conversation. He's kind of understanding what's going on. Uh, Paige breaks that up anyway, because she wants to quiz him a little bit more about Diane. 
and then and then about Bojack as well, obviously. And at this point, and obviously Diane being dragged into it is just another trigger for Mr. Peanut Butter. He completely loses his patience with the pair of them. He's sick of them. He says Bojack was a good guy, that he was, quote, torn up about Sarah Lynn's death. And then he yells, quote, in fact, he was with her in the planetarium when she overdosed. He actually gave her the heroin. And then, and he told me that once when he was drunk. And, I, and then he said, I never told anybody that because he's modest. It's <laughs> a perfect Mr. Peanut Butter delivery of a disastrous smoking gun oh, of a line. Um, Max, Max and Paige celebrate their success outside Elefino um, as they're kind of waiting for a taxi and in the moment inadvertently end up in an embrace. Um, Paige thinks it's she's quite flustered, she thinks it's time to get back to the office, get the ink on the page on this story once and for all um, and maybe call time on, well, their time. Max, in a last desperate act, finally declares, quote, I love you. It had come up earlier on in the conversation, often in these back and forth and bickery ways, mm. nobody wants to say the words. And he finally does it and oh. says the words. And Paige Sinclair, Nicholas, oh. one of the most intentionally infuriating oh. characters in the history of this show replies, oh, Max, of course you do. Everybody does. I'm pacing Claire. <laughs> <laughs> and scoots off in a taxi out of his uh, life forever. Nicholas, here a few episodes ago, they've introduced the most annoying character of all time. Why is that, Hamlet? Well, because in a few episodes of time, she's going to think the whole world loves her and that Max's love isn't special at all. Jesus Christ, what a payoff. What an unbelievable payoff this was to something so fundamentally ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But you know what it is? How many women have we seen burned by arrogant men in Hollywood? Yeah. Right? I love Max. I do. And clearly he loves Paige. <laughs> but you know what, Michael? I think he's just got to... We'll settle for a draw on this one. <laughs> yeah. We'll take the draw. Take the point. Take the draw. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about damn time, I suppose, but you can't help but be really disappointed for Max. Because it's just so earnest. It's... It's all of this insincere bullshit they do for so long. Yeah. The back and forth, the witty banter, the sort of massive streams of unnecessary chatter. <laughs> bit like this podcast, actually. Um, <laughs> for him to ultimately drop his guard, finally, he's the one who takes the plunge and he's hit with the same old insincere kind of page just blown off because, mm -hmm. of course, everyone loves that, Michael. Oh, God. Back to the office. Um, Princess Carolyn is advising Bojack on how to spin all this um, and salvage the good Bojack that he's become at Wesleyan. Um, but Diane's had enough. She's refusing to see the positives that Princess Carolyn a little bit is trying to spin on Diane before this has even hit the world. Um, she wants him to be honest, totally, completely honest. Um, Princess Carolyn implores him to, quote, just think. And before there can be the angel and devil on his shoulders anymore, the phone rings. It's Paige Sinclair. Everybody loves her, but not Bojack Horseman because she's got all the big questions. Um, she lets him know that the story is going to hit the, uh, hit the world in about a week. So she wanted to do a journalistic due diligence and ask him some questions to get his comments before she puts the, uh, the ink to the page, as she put it. So Diane and Princess Carolyn sit there nervously as his audience and Paige asks, did he supply Sarah Lynn with drugs? Bojack replies, no. Paige asks, did he use heroin with Sarah Lynn? Bojack replies, no. Paige asks, was he with Sarah Lynn when she died? Bojack answers, no. Paige asks, 
Did you lie to the police about any of these things? Bojack answers, no. Grace Sinclair, knowing full well what she's got, gleefully hangs up the phone, ready to print the story exactly as she would have imagined. And Diane leaves. She simply cannot be a part of this at this point. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A little bit more to go now so we can wrap it up and like gather our thoughts on this in, in yep. Bojack's final scene as well. We go, finally, for the last time, back to Adafino. It's uh, Pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter now talking at the bar where Mr. Peanut Butter has still been sat. They are setting a date for the wedding, um, but Pickles confesses, before they even really got into the details of it, that she really wants to go take the job with Joey Pogo. Um, she's It's almost like a confessional. She's realised just how much she would love this job and she would love this opportunity. It's all very much framed around how good she'd be as a social media manager. Uh, but Mr. Peanut Butter spots what's going on. Yeah, he's either been told that he spotted it, it's a combination of the above, and he can see it as he's talking to uh, to Pickles, and he insists she go on the tour. Pickles, really sweetly and innocently and earnestly, says, uh, you know, they can plan the wedding when she gets back, and Mr. Peanut Butter, and I want to say it, like, so wonderfully acted. Paul F. Tompkins lowers his, um, like, sprightly, jovial tone that he normally applies to everything Peanut Butter does, because, of course, he's a dog. He's constantly got his head out that window, having the time of his life, but he just drops a full like octave here. He takes on a very solemn, bassy tone, and he says, uh, show pickles when you get back. Mr. Peanut Butter is knowingly calling time on their relationship in front of in front of the woman herself, and she doesn't even really know herself. She dashes off excited, uh, and Mr. Peanut Butter knows it's over. He kind of slumps in his bar stool, all glum, at which point somebody shouts, hey, sad dog, and snaps his picture because he looks exactly like the fucking meme. Um, so, yeah, for one last time, back into uh, Bojack's Wesleyan office. It's only Princess Carolyn and Bojack now, but of course, they are running through the statement um, he intends to release before the story breaks. He's kind of following Princess Carolyn's advice to get on top of it, get across it with his version, I guess his narrative. Um, 
but he starts to lose faith in it. He starts to lose faith in everything, truthfully. Um, he notes that none of this is going to matter. Why, even when things are good, does it end up going wrong and him ending up alone? Princess Carolyn reminds him, well, I'm still here. So he's not completely alone. Um, she professes at this point like a really sweet love and loyalty that runs deep with Bojack. Um, she uh, recalls a time where he said, quote, I just like being in a room with you. You make rooms good. Um, that meant a lot to her at the time. Bojack reiterates that that's still the case. Um, she says now uh, she's loved him for this long. She knows she's never going to get a love like this again. And she wants the story for Ruthie about her great love to at least have a happy ending. Um, she's folded Bojack into the story of her own life to such an extent that she's willing to walk with him, I guess, into the mouth of hell, just to try to give Ruthie something nice, to, I guess, instill in her daughter that love can win, that love can work. Um, and she's uh, she knows that she's in for a penny, in for a pound, and then says, quote, sunk costs and all that that's of course uh, you know what they did there um but he says in quite a nice moment that he wants to actually take full responsibility so that ruthie does get the good ending only that's the good ending instead um princess carolyn agrees to that and says she'll ring in all another plan and goes to leave bojack sighs perhaps his biggest sigh ever and there's been a few big ones turns the light out on his Wesleyan office we presume for the last time and leaves too and that's where we hit the credits um a lot there in that like final stretch, of course. Um, Diane's exit from the room, Bojack and Princess Carolyn's potentially final sweet moment between the two of them before whatever is to come. And of course, the end RIP in peace, which was coming of Pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter. A lot of things came to a head. It was an episode 11 after all. It was not in a conventional sense, but it certainly gave no. us a lot of payoffs and a lot of a lot of tee-ups, certainly for the next episode, I think it's fair to say. Uh, let's start with peanut butter and pickles. I mean, I love this because this felt like finally Mr. Peanut Butter maybe just realising, like not just in this instance, but I think maybe on a wider scale, we've seen this happen with Diane before where he was so oblivious to a lot of stuff that was going on mm. uh, in their relationship when it was as and when it was happening. And I just think him accepting that she should have this. Pickles should have, like, in a weird way, she doesn't realise it yet, maybe because she's young or maybe because she's not quite seen it yet. But this is her, and this is the end for the two of them uh, because she's going to go, and she clearly has feelings for Joey Pogo now, and this is just mm -hmm. too good of an opportunity. All of it's perfect. And that, that solemn goodbye was really, really great stuff. And shout yeah. out to Paul F. Tompkins for, he's great always, but more in a, like, loud and, comedic sense but this was really mm. really well played and then of course Bojack I mean obviously Diane finally decided she just doesn't want to be part of this if we're going to be lying about stuff which you know you can understand given how her um, most recent couple of episodes have been and sort of the stuff yeah. she's been going through personally um, and from the very beginning of this show I guess she's been through a lot with Bojack um, mm -hmm. and, and if anything she probably deserves him to, to if he's going to really do it, she got him to rehab. If you're going to continue on that path, then telling the truth is the way to go, not to tell more lies. Yeah. Um, but of course, I mean, the the moment, there's a real, some real great moments here between both Bojack and um, Diane and Princess Carolyn. But almost everything after Diane's left and Princess Carolyn and Bojack are talking, it's just huge, huge stuff between these two. Like, basically, Princess Carolyn declaring, like, Bojack is 
undoubtedly at this point, the love of her life. Like mm. he's the person she's loved for the longest. He's the person she's loved the most. And they're kind of in this together through thick and thin, no matter what this, for better or for worse, whether it may not be romantic anymore, there's still a love yeah. there. And it, that was a really nice moment, I think. And just seeing how far she was willing to go, whether it's for mm. him in a client sense, whether it's for him in a friend sense or whatever it is, it, lovely like very confusing very complicated moment this because i guess we've had to see a lot of this in people who've you know in the public eye certainly in real life who mm. you've seen with the mass takedowns for me too and a lot of people are friends and, and and sort of intertwined with the people who were involved in this yeah having this complicated relationship where it is true that they are their best friend or their partner or their whatever but it is also true that they did these horrible things like these mm. two things are true and they've run yeah. parallel and it's not a simple thing of well this happened so that's the end of this one that, that's not how life works unfortunately this was a really good way of doing that and really good way of showing it and i just princess carolyn man she's whether she was the angel or the devil in this episode her willingness to just be prepared to do whatever is needed to be done he had to whatever bojack wants to do she's essentially saying she'll do and for him to finally choose the right option in the end is it a happy ending? It's not. A, it's not. It's not. The outcome is going to be sad, undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, Diane even alludes to that, you know, sort of saying, you know, uh, the hard thing to do is to be honest. But I feel like it's happy because, like, happy, you know what I mean, in Bojack Horseman mm. terms, Christ. Uh, because the characters are growing, which is something we have, Bojack, has, we wanted this from him. We wanted him to make the right choices all this time. This is a right choice. Uh, by the end of the episode yeah right was the word i was going to use if it's not a happy ending it's the right ending and how often have we had have we had yeah. that um it's the ending that so what's quite nice i think is that it's the ending that all three characters in that room would have wanted it's just strange how all bar princess carolyn had to leave for them to get there like the yeah. todd wanted it diane desperately wanted it uh princess carolyn will never give up wanting it but has come to accept that she might not get it and yet they all do get it by the end. So that is, in terms of Bojack's relationships with these core characters in his life, that's the closest you'll probably ever get to a happy ending. Um, and even then, he has to bear his soul across two whiteboards, um, lie to a reporter about the death of a young girl. Like, uh, the whole thing, the whole thing is played oh, yeah. out in front of all of them as, a, as an audience in this tiny room um, with the people that have no clue, walled out but the other side of a door the whole time as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say this is, in Bojack Horseman terms, this would be classified as a happy ending, even if the prevailing sense of doom hung over or whatever the hell is going to happen to him in episode 12. I think we'll have to stick with the right ending because we have been yeah. rooting for Bojack to make the good choices and the correct choices, irrespective of what they do to him in the long term. Mm. And I guess this is kind of that now. This um, is it, yeah. This is it. It's about bloody time. It's only taken us six seasons. <laughs> Never mind. Shall we move on and do some horsing around, do you think? Yes, please. I always really relish the prospect of some jokes and stupid <laughs> references after it's gotten heavy. Good. Well, hopefully we've got a few of them because this is the part of the show where we go back through the episode and we find all of the things you might have missed, all the hidden details behind certain things and all the Easter eggs that were in the episode. So we go back to the beginning. Well, sort of, because there wasn't a great deal in the uh, cold open. Uh, the opening credits... No changes there, because as we know, we're on the final stretch now. Barring some miracles, we're probably not going to see too many. But we do start the episode at, and I will be honest, I was calling it 
Elefino myself, but of course, Mr. Peanut Butter in this very episode specifically yeah. calls it Elefino. So I'm going to have to go with that. Of course, we should point yeah. out this is the previously named Elefante, which was, of course, Bojack's restaurant that he's sold to Mr. Peanut Butter and Joey Pogo and Pickles, etc., etc. Um, so this was the grand reopening. They've made some refurbishments to the outside of the restaurant. It's now, of course, called Elefino. It's all a different colour scheme. There's bamboo outside the front. It's all very <laughs> fancy. Still got that lovely um, statue of the elephant person standing up and weeing into the crocodile's mouth. <laughs> um, but then if you look outside, there's a few little cute bits here. There's a banner across the top of the roof, that's the, the top, of, top of the wall outside the front, which reads... Grand opening under new management in a hip font with hashtags. <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, Mr. Peanut Butter has still not quite nailed down <laughs> the banner situation in this show. And even better, I should point out, is that the font is absolutely crap. For the, it just <laughs> looks like someone drew it on with pen, which is even better. There's also, and I think it might be the same person who takes the picture of Mr. Peanut Butter later on in the episode... Uh, as sad dog, of course. There's a monkey man outside who's just taking a selfie and like pulling a stupid face. I don't know why it's funny, but it is funny. I have to say, <laughs> they get it right. We go inside of Elefino, and um, there's, of course, to begin with, on all of, of the menus is the giant face of Mr. Peanut Butter. Like it literally takes up about 60 to 70% of the menu before you've got the name written above it, uh, which is quite funny. But, uh, Paige Sinclair, of course. A powerhouse, as we've learned throughout this show, causes pure chaos wherever she goes. No regard for anybody. Well, she's on that old-timey phone, which, of course, has that massive long wire. She's tying people in knots. She's knocking people's (laughs) drinks over. She's knocking people off their chairs. There's a praying mantis woman at the bar has to keep jumping over and ducking under the wire to try and hide from our grasshopper woman. I think it's a praying mantis woman, actually. Um, And then also on top of that, we get a little bit of conversation between um, Mr. Peanut Butter and Max. And when Max is asking what the theme of the whole place was, you kind of alluded to this before, and Peanut Butter says, well, Pickles wanted the small plates, Joey wanted Lazy Susans, and I wanted the theme to be my faces on the front of the menu. (laughs) (laughs) So we did all three. (laughs) I just love that specifically. I wanted the theme to be my face is on on the front of the menu. What a great, what a great, what a great character Mr. Peanut Butter is, man. He really is. He really is. We go across to uh, Bojack's office at Wesleyan, and there's a few things going on in the office different the last time. When Todd is in there looking after Ruthie on the floor, they've got a bunch of books that they're kind of making a little like tower out of just for, to entertain Ruthie. Uh, and the books have got some interesting names. They are as follows. We've got Comedy of Bearers, as instead of Bearos, <laughs> instead of Eras. We've also got The Importance of Being Earwig. <laughs> Instead of the importance of being earnest, we've got King Bear instead of King Lear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we also have Platypus Rex, right? Now, I don't know if anybody knows Platypus Rex, but I do a little bit of digging. Um, the, The name immediately rung a bell, and I didn't know why. And the thing I found, I think, is what it is in my head, but I... There seems to be a lot. There is the IPA, Michael, in Brooklyn, New York, which is called Platypus Rex. But that's not what I thought it was. The one thing it seems to be is um, Platypus Rex being a comic book character. It was first introduced as a vampire hunting platypus, uh, like an independent comic that was came out in 1998. And it wasn't very long-lived. But there you go, from a company called yeah. QEW Publishing. 
And I don't know why that is in my head, but I did read it and thought, do I know this? And apparently that might be what it is. If it's not that, and there's something else that think somebody thinks it's a reference to, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman. But that is the one that came to my head. Right. Um, also, I love this line from Bojack. Uh, as things are starting to go a bit wrong, obviously, and, and the phone calls start happening, he sort of says, no, they can't get me on old shit. I'm a different person now. And I just, like, I loved the comedy of that. as in, like, imagine if that was the case. That's great. But also, he's kind of being sincere here because he feels like he's yeah. done the right thing and he should be getting, like, things should be turning around from him, yeah. But again, that's not how it works. That's and not how crime works. Not how crime works at all. <laughs> there is not statute limitations on when you can be punished for the crimes you committed. Um, also, there's a brilliant bit where Princess Carolyn asks for Todd to put earmuffs on Ruthie, and he takes his hat off and puts it on her head, and it's just adorable. She's got it just all our little prickles are going through his hat. It's never going to be the same. But there you go. Uh, we go back to Elefino in the kitchen this time, and as you alluded to earlier, there's all a pile of little plates. Uh, or small plates, but then there's some signs up on the wall next to big plates that basically say, do not use big plates, or big plates, <laughs> do not use, it says, next to a whole bunch of cookbooks that you see. And it's amazing to think that this that things are going so well, Michael. We've got one book called The Lazy Life Rotational Food <laughs> <laughs> by Sally Sloth. <laughs> We've got The Big Book of Wee Foods, 5th edition, by Barrett the Ferret. <laughs> We've also got how to cook weenie dogs. And we've also got, it says, no roo, R-O-U, but then you can't see the rest of the book for all the stack plates that are coming up from below. So nice. thoughts yeah. on a postcard for that one at Podcast Horseman, but you can't really see much of it. We'd go into the walk-in freezer that is in Alafino as well, uh, where I think it's the first point where uh, Pickles and Mr. Peanutbutter are going to talk about Joey Pogo. Uh, you'll see there's a bunch of supplies in the freezer, the ones you can spot on the first time round. There's some shortbread there. There's some bacon bitty bits, which are like little bits of bacon. <laughs> there's baby carrots. You might start to see the theme here. Baby yeah. grandma grapes. <laughs> baby grandma grapes, which are 100% real raisins with a picture of a shriveled grape on the front that's got like <laughs> short curly grey hair as well. <laughs> Because it's old, Michael, you see. Um, there's also uh, chicken fingers in the one of the top shelves. And the picture on there is a chicken person who's got the hands up like this. <laughs> you can see the hands. It's so grim. Uh, there's also some tiny weenie dogs in there, which goes back to how to cook weenie dogs. Uh, there's also hamster milk because they're so small, Michael. They must make <laughs> small milk as well. Um and also on top of that, we've got some micro peas with the thing at the bottom that says they are 78% insia. <laughs> insia and insia than before, Michael. Uh, also, Pickle's given a lovely shout out to lo-fi chill hop beats to study slash relax to. I love this because as a person who enjoys lo-fi chill hop beats to study slash relax to, which got massively mocked when it first <laughs> became a thing and people kind of made tons and tons of memes about it. Uh, I will just give a shout-out to one of my personal favourites, which is on YouTube, called Chill Cow, Michael. They do all these amazing 24-hour-long um, YouTube streams, essentially, where they just play music of that genre. So if you like that, go and check it out. Very good for if you are either studying or relaxing, as you might have guessed from the name. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, also brilliantly in here, you mentioned you sort of mentioned it before, 
but she talked about Pickles talked about how Joey Pogo and Mr. Peanut Butter were complete opposites, Michael. She gave us a little rundown as well of what that would entail. And I'll let you decide if they are complete opposites or not. <laughs> Joey Pogo is like your total opposite. He's arrogant, annoyingly cheerful, and fake nice. You are confident, refreshingly optimistic, and wryly sweet with an ironic self-aware edge that reads to some as inauthentic, but I recognise as archly sincere. <laughs> total opposites. Total opposites. <laughs> Complete another total opposites. There you go. We go back to El Fino's dining area, though, and uh, as Paige is talking to Max, they're kind of having this breakthrough in the story and they want to keep things going. We get a tongue twist on the Princess Carolyn and Amy Sedaris would be happy to call their own. But of course, Paget Brewster is the one who's having to deal with a few of these this mm. season. And it is as follows. Come on, I feel like I can get this one in one take. I reckon we've got mm. She says to Max, <clears throat> I'm telling you, the story is bigger than just one girl. If we pivot our perspective so we prove a large pattern we can paint a clearer portrait of a problematic person for a page one profile to pave our path to a Pulitzer. Oh. Well done. Well played. What she says, although she does it a lot better than I just did it there and didn't sound like oh, better that was... she was doing it. <laughs> yeah. um, also, just all of the lazy Susan gags in this bit are just too good. The constant spinning around. While they're having this conversation, Mr. Peanut Butter is like, he spins the lazy Susan at one point. Max goes to drink his drink. And the dessert at the end goes right in his face as he goes down to it. It's really good stuff. He just can't get his drink because because Paige keeps spinning the, the Lazy Susan. Very, very good stuff indeed. Who knew a Lazy Susan would be such a great comedic vehicle, oh. Michael? I know who. RBW and the guy. <laughs> we go back to Bojack at the office, his office at Wesleyan. And we you mentioned the board of bad Professor Horseman stories, as we are told. And we do have a few that are obviously there for all to see. Um, from top left, we'll move down, and then I'll, I'll, I'll cover them all here. Yeah, but uh, mm -hmm. we've got we've got Penny, we've got the abandoned slash wrestled Herb, of course Herb Kazaz. We've mm -hmm. got Stole the Hollywood D. We've also yeah. got yeah. Closed All You Can Eat Fro Your Place. <laughs> <laughs> we've also got Didn't Act in Secretaries. Ah, we've got yes. Tanked Ethan Around. In brackets, twice. <laughs> <laughs> Got Dr. Champ fired, obviously a more recent one. Yeah. Also, if you recall correctly, blew up a taffy factory, which happened, of course, mm -hmm. in Fish Out of Water. Ruined Lizard Funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Made fun of Katie from Spanish 1. <laughs> Lied about getting Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I should point out it says... Lied about, in inverted commas, getting Radiohead. <laughs> uh, pretended giant Todd Head was passenger for Carpool Lane. <laughs> which you were called Todd's paper mache head from previous seasons, which I believe Margot Martindale ended up taking on the uh, escape from LA, or escape to LA, Sorry, yeah. uh, when she ran away on Bojack's boat. Uh, and also, took muffins from Navy Seal, it says. <laughs> and of course, Michael, there's, no, there's nothing funny about taking a meal from Neil McBeal, the Navy Seal. Indeed. There was, when, as we go on later, though, you do get to see a few others that pop up because Todd, as you mentioned, writes them on later on in the episode. And the ones he puts on are slept with Emily, underscore Emily, uh, mm -hmm. destroyed rock opera, underscore rock opera, and left me in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Which 
It's when you look at it that way, you do think, what on earth is Todd still doing hanging around here? God, I love that one as well, because it's sort of a forgotten incident, but he was there for ages, and it was like yeah. a, it was Todd's arc for half a season, it was all because Bojack didn't get him out. Yeah, just sits, leaves him in prison, and the only reason he does get out is because of Bojack being an idiot and stealing the, the Hollywood D, <laughs> Hollywood D, and then I believe it's, did they not fly the helicopter and it crashes into the prison? Yeah. Something yeah, daft like that, yeah. Crazy stuff. Anyway, um, we go from there, though, all the way back across to Elefino in the dining area once again. As you'll see, there's a bit of a pattern here. We just keep jumping between the two. Um, there's a brilliant little gag. When we first go back, there's a grey squirrel man and his uh, red squirrel partner who are having food. The whole Lazy Susan is set up with plates. The grey squirrel really quickly gets the Lazy Susan, spins it and opens his mouth and takes all the food, <laughs> eats all the food, leaving the red squirrel with no food. The partner is not amused. There's a commentary though here. Isn't it a thing where the grey squirrels are stealing all the food in real life? So the red, like the bully and the red squirrels, out of being alive, essentially, like they they take the yeah. food and like stop them from getting meals, which I thought was the cute little guy going on here. They're not endangered, but they're they they're sort of the substantially less red than grey now because the grey ones are nicking all the dinners. It's yes, very nice. That's the, a very good is, gag. Very very good cute uh, cute gag that one. Not so much if you're a red squirrel, but there you go. Um, <laughs> also, the two dog best friends who we've seen from the very beginning of this show and this podcast, as early as I can remember when Bojack first meets Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL, actually. You know mm. the ones, the two older dog women who are who can be seen around best pal and while they're here again having a bit of a meal and they can be seen in the background having their dinner. And I just loved as well during this whole bit where we go back to Elefino here is just that, as you mentioned, the... The Paige and Max and the Joey Pogo and Pickles comparisons that are going on and how they use mm. the dialogue between Max and um, Paige to kind of highlight what's going on in this episode for both couples. Yeah. I thought that was really cute and really well done, as this show has a tendency to do. Because I don't know if you know this, Michael, but Bojack Horseman is better than the show that you like. And speaking of Bojack Horseman, we go back across to his office at Wesleyan once again, to which we find another board, this one just literally called More Bad Stories. <laughs> <laughs> and on that board of more bad stories, uh, we've got a few that Diane has written on, along with a bunch of others. Um, so the top ones reads, slept with, and then it's left blank, and says, and ghosted here. Now, presumably because either he doesn't know our name, or the amount of names that could probably fit in there, <laughs> <laughs> because of Jack Horseman. Who knows? Also, hit Dia with a car, which, as you recall, happens in season <laughs> two, where uh, Bojack and Wanda driving his, his partner at the time and hit the deer and he's going to leave the deer I'm sure in the world <laughs> at one point before Wanda convinces him he also broke into the Nixon library mm-hmm. uh, he ruined the integrity of Booty Academy <laughs> <laughs> he threw up on Elle Fanning in Bounce House <laughs> <laughs> stole Daniel Radcliffe's fruit basket mm-hmm. he's a habitual bad tipper tisk tisk uh, he lied about dating Natalie Portman <laughs> he has a Scott Wolf vendetta, uh, and he also sneezed on Marissa Tomei, Michael. I don't know if you knew about that one. I didn't it's know just, about that. That's never come up. Continue to haunt him for his whole life. <laughs> he has keyed Keenan Thompson's Kia. <laughs> <laughs> He's fobbed Elon Muskrat's Tesla. Nice. And not to mention, on top of that, as Diane moves ahead away later on, there is just a bit that says. Gina, in inverted commas, mm-hmm. which is grim all by itself. But she's also written at the bottom here in green pen, which suggests to me that maybe he's 
The blue ones are someone else's, and, and she's written down hers, yeah. She's written, Diana's written, fired me while writing your book. She's written, broken into my house and made a mess and stole my favourite jacket, as was alluded to by <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter. Under that, also took my scarf, which, of course, is when Bojack has his transformative moment in season six, episode oh, yeah. seven. He actually <laughs> steals a scarf when he's in Chicago and walks off with it. In fact, he might even be wearing it in this episode. To truth be told, <laughs> um, and then also the very last one that she says, <laughs> told Mr. Peanut Butter about in inverted commas, cry on, which if you recall, was <laughs> <laughs> from her brothers back in Boston, of course. Which, uh, yes, she wasn't a big fan of. I think we can all agree. Uh, so some great ones on that board as well. Um, but then, of course, in that moment when we're in the office, Diana's on the phone to Paige Sinclair. And as she's talking to her, she's trying to get her off the phone because they're all a bit panicked. They weren't expecting the phone call. She says, listen, I'd love to talk more, but uh, I cut my finger earlier in a bagel guillotine. And I think I require medical attention. Goodbye. Bagel guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> Which she just spits out there because she's so panicked. But remember this little bit of dialogue, Michael, because we're going to come back to it in just a little bit. We go back to Elefino, and we're in that walk-in freezer again, only this time it's Joey Pogo and Pickles who are in there because they've just been doing the dirty deed, Michael, and we get a few mm. more supplies that you can see inside the freezer at this point. There's some tiny toasts. They're so small, you can barely taste it. Uh, there's <laughs> fetal beets. <laughs> there's some shrimp juice which has got a double thing going on there. You see what they did? Shrimp juice. Well, it's, it could be Very the good. shrimp. It could be uh, there's, <laughs> there's some minute, minute rice. And there's also, brilliantly, some bags of ice and tubs of ice cream, Michael, that you'll see inside there that have completely melted because of all the hot sex, Michael. Do you see ah, what's happening? Yes. The Sex that's going on inside the cold freezer was just too much for it to handle. Brilliant stuff. We quickly go back to Bojack's office at Wesleyan, and I've just written down here Bojack admitting to being with Sarah Lynn for the first time to everybody. Dun, dun, dun. Huge reveal, <laughs> this. Absolutely huge. Really impactful as well, because you kind of think it reminds you that we've been holding on to this for all this time as well. As do, by the way, all of the bad things that are on these boards, we've just completely and utterly forgotten about most of these and we've put mm -hmm. them all to bed and we've, or we've forgiven them for them but uh, it's time to pay the goddamn paper it seems uh, and also I've just written down here not that we haven't already mentioned it but Bojack and being on that stage and Princess Carolyn and Diane being either side of that open doorway just such a beautiful visual goddamn mm -hmm. it this show yep. I do love this show we go back once again to Elefino we're in the bar area this time and as I said, Michael, remember Diane's final closing words there where she says earlier, I went on the phone to Paige about how she's uh, cut her finger earlier in a bagel guillotine, and I think I require med medical attention. Goodbye, bagel guillotine. <laughs> well, Paige goes <laughs> running over to Mr. Peanut Butter and Max kind of collectively, but mostly to Mr. Peanut Butter and says, someone's up to something, I can tell you that much. Mr. Peanut Butter, does your ex-wife regularly consume bagels? <laughs> <laughs> At which point Mr. Peanut Butter kicks off with that because he's in a bit mm -hmm. of a bad mood at that point. But um, a little bit of time passes. There's some other stuff happens, but not a great deal for the horse around. We go over to um, Bojack's office, but then we quickly come back once again to Elefino. This time we're in the bar area once again. And as you mentioned, when Mr. Peanut Butter is sat at the bar, he's just said goodbye to Pickles. 
and he's basically the end of their relationship, even though she maybe doesn't know it. He's sitting at the bar, he's very sad, and that guy from the earlier in the episode who's taking the selfie jumps in and says, hey, sad dog, and takes a picture of him. It's lovely stuff. Princess Carolyn, you've got more to answer for than you'll ever know with that sad dog meme. Sad dog! <laughs> finally, 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 uh, Bojack in the office in Wesleyan with Princess Carolyn, he says, and I love this, he says, this was supposed to be a fresh start for me. Rehab was supposed to be a fresh start. But no matter how many starts I get, there's always the same ending. Everything falls apart and I end up alone. Whew, I mean, God, mm-hmm. this whole interaction between the two of them is great. Really, really great stuff. Really felt like they got the character, like the, like the size of their relationship so right in this little bit of dialogue. Yeah. But the whole thing. Heavy stuff, hit really well, and just great writing all around. But that is everything for this week's episode. This week's episode? For this week's edition of Horses Around, I should say. But as always, we do still have time. We're kind of running through this one. We're on our swift. Mm. We do still have time for one last thing, and I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. I'll give you the choice, as I do every week. Would you like to go first, or would you like to go second? I'll go first, if it's all right. Um it's something that we've talked about in sort of various guises throughout this episode and a little bit last week. Um, you mentioned about not warning people as we would normally for the episode 11 because really then you need to go watch the episode 12. Um, what I loved about this one is that we know um, outside of the Bojack Horseman universe that this was coming to an end, that this was going to be the final series. We're going to get 16 episodes instead of the uh, traditional 12. So uh, you are left to assume, I guess, that penultimates are a big thing. So maybe episode 15 is the, is the episode to be absolutely terrified of. Episode mm-hmm. 11, subsequently, is maybe lacking this nice tradition that has been upheld in Bojack since season one. But not so. It just so happens that all the episode 11s are revisited by the characters themselves. Everyone that you've listed on that whiteboard, and the stuff that was in focus, the stuff that was left just for you to spot, the ones such as when Diane moves and you see Gina in those inverted commas, there's one of those episode 11s. You get another one when you first read, well, the whole reliving of the Sarah Lynn death. There's another episode 11 and so on and so on and so on and so on. Um, episode 11 of Bojack Horseman, the episodes of his lives that have been the most 11 live and breathe throughout this episode of Bojack Horseman. It just doesn't happen in the way where you actually experience the crisis real time. I thought that was a really smart move. It could happen in the last episode. It could happen in the next one. It was a key driver in this season's big story, but I love that it happened in this episode specifically. Really, really love this because they knew they were going to be working with more episodes this season and they knew that everybody was going to be expecting an episode 11 of sorts mm. and instead what we get is an homage to all of the episode 11s in fact they use the fact that this episode 11 would not exist if yeah. we didn't have all of the other episode 11s that have come before it to literally build up the framework for this whole thing and i just thought that was really great stuff a great spot from you but a great bit of um a great bit of creation from our from mm. our lovely bojack horseman writers and team there because they're just they're quite smart, really, aren't they? They know what they're doing. <laughs> pretty good at they know this, what they're they're doing. Good. They're all right, them folks. <laughs> <laughs> However, speaking of them being all right, and speaking of episode 11s, I have a little tie-in of my own, which I really thought you would have pulled, and I'm not sure if you've just pulled okay. a punch on this one, but uh, I thought you might have, um, because this was, this ties back to one of your previous one last things. How about that? For mm. a bit of a twist there. We've had Lazy Susan's. I'm turning the tables on you, brother. <laughs> because 
There's a wonderful bit of dialogue from Diane, Diane sorry, right before she leaves uh, Bojack heads off. She says the following, and as soon as I say it, you're going to know exactly what's going on. Uh, she says, I think you should do the hard thing and be honest. She's trying to convince him, obviously, to just fess up. She says, about everything. Things will get worse before they get better, but you won't spend the rest of your life waiting for the other shoe to drop, is what she says in this episode. Now, of course, this in itself, Michael, is a reference to the biggest season Oh, episode 11, rather, in any season that we get, of course, the episode season three, episode 11. That's too much, man, where, of course, we finally get the death of Sarah Lynn. Mm. And as you once pointed out all them seasons ago, in the first moment where they do the Sarah Lynn death fake out, don't they, when they're in that motel room? Ah, oh, yes. Here he comes. Granddad's yeah. finally catching up with everybody. <laughs> well, for anybody who hasn't... Ha- well, if the shoe hasn't dropped for you, if you're listening to this podcast, then let me tell you, because back in that episode, season three, episode 11, that's too much, man. Uh, we have that moment where it's the sort of fake out of Sarah Lynn's death. They're on the mm. bed and she yeah. passes out after the heroin. And Bojack kind of goes, Sarah Lynn. And she wakes back up. But there's this moment where you get to see them both lying on the bed. And Bojack is only wearing one shoe because yeah. one of them's dropped, but the other shoe has yet to drop off his foot. And I mean, that's just, it's just lovely, that, isn't it? That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Because we've been waiting for the other shoe to drop since season three, episode 11, mm-hmm. and it hasn't yet. And this is really what sat at the very crossroads where it could all finally come crashing down. I just thought that was amazing. And Fantastic. God damn it, Michael, I love this show. I love this show. <laughs> do love this show. You are I love being I love being rewarded for paying attention to very small details, yeah. and this show does it better than most. I'm not going to say better than any, but it's right up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would, I'm going to say it's better than any. Why not? <laughs> Why not? It's our podcast. We can say that. It's our podcast. We're allowed to say it. I do love this show. Anyway, that is everything apart from now that we've finished all the details and all of the waffling. We can just give you a bit of a plug for this podcast before we head off, and we'll give you the synopsis as well. But um, as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you've enjoyed listening to our stupid voices talk themselves horse about a talking horse and just generally dive into the world of Bojack Horseman. Well, please do give us a follow at Podcast Horseman on social media. If you've enjoyed either of your hosts, you can follow them too. You can follow me at It's Adam Nicholas or maybe you could follow me at Adam Nicholas, Michael Hanfler. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe tell our listeners. It sounds like you can catch me in two places these days. <laughs> But you can also, if you would like to, catch Michael Hamlet. Oh, catch Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. But why would you after that calamitous error on our Adam Nicholas's birthday where a poor Adam Nicholas out in the wild was given, I'm sure, a lot of nice tweets. You're a wonderful person and you would have been getting these messages. I don't imagine there was many people turning to offer anything like over Twitter. <laughs> Happy birthday, dickhead. Like, birthday, uh, you prick. <laughs> As I was screaming into the mirror when I sort of took one last day, I'll see if anybody's engaged with that. Oh, yeah, it's, that's not the right Adam Nicholas. Great. Yes, I, can't, um, I can't tell you how much I laughed at this. I, uh, I, I hadn't checked social media all day, and I left it at the end of the day specifically so I just could do it all in one go. And I got this calamity, <laughs> calamitous moment on of, of watching it all unfold, then watching you post another one. It truly was lovely stuff. Uh, but thank you very much to everybody who did drop on as a result of that. And also, 
I hope at it's. I hope at Adam Nicholas had a lovely day. Whatever he See, was up it to. Is, it is hard. Whatever it's he was up to. I'm sure I was. You you started this. You planted the seed. <laughs> Oh dear, yes. Um, follow me at Michael Hamlet. Don't leave at Adam Nicholas alone. He wants no part of this universe. Um, you can get this podcast. No, never mind me. The podcast is more important. You can get that on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to follow and subscribe. On Spotify, where you can follow. Uh, on Amazon Music, where you can um, get us. Probably through Audible, which genuinely I do recommend. I'm a bit of a new convert to that. Um, I never have time to read, but I certainly have time to listen. So if you're not want to listen to some great audiobooks, listen to Podcast Horseman and anywhere else where you get podcasts. You can get us, um, including on Acast. We'll put a link on the Twitter every Friday. You can stream it or you can subscribe or you can download Acast. Let you do all of those things. Um, that'll be through the at Podcast Awesome Twitter account. And on, I believe, Acast and certainly several of the other platforms, you can leave five-star reviews. You know the crap by now. If you leave a little comment in the box, you leave us five stars. You fool the algorithms. You fool more people into talking themselves horse about a talking horse, which is what we'd love to do before this whole thing wraps up in a matter of weeks. And if you are one of those lucky people that has been kind enough to leave us a review, you stand a very good chance of getting yourself a star in our Hollywood talk of fame. Check back through the Insta account. Our beautifully curated Insta, Instagram account, by the way. That's all the work of at It's Adam Nicholas. Uh, he's done a fine job there. The, uh, the episode cover art you get every week is always worth going out your way to check out. It's luxurious. But the stars are there as well. And there's going to be a star coming the way of Brader Standing, who left us a message saying, one last review, and then I swear to God, I will shut up about this podcast forever. Very much appreciate that. Says, uh, gives the five stars and says, I love this podcast. I have just started from the beginning and I've just started rewatching the show about the talking horse. After listening to Michael and Adam in other podcasts, it's great to hear both of them together in a pairing that you don't often get in their other work. That is true. That is a nice spot. We are a very occasional what culture wrestling Easter egg. Um, if this review ends up on the podcast, it will take a long time to get to it. But thank you for raising awareness about one of the funniest and most emotionally painful shows I've ever watched. It may have taken a long time, Bradestanting, but I hope you stuck around and waited for it because we have got there. A star on the Hollywood Talk of Fame winging its way to you over the socials very soon. Yes, indeed. And Michael, as he's pointed out many times, and I will reiterate, uh, we'll make sure that everybody who does leave mm. a review will be read out, whether whether it's during one of the episodes or during one of the big roundups we're going to do at the end of all of this. You're, mm. you, they will 100% be read out. They, they are great. We love that people do them. And we obviously very much appreciate the fact that it keeps us in the charts and keeps tricking people into thinking <laughs> top of the game. <laughs> Lovely stuff all around. And also, I hope everybody's been enjoying Follow Friday. It's been going well so far. Mm. Uh, I won't lie to you. I'm quite happy at the end of Friday when it's finished and, and like <laughs> checking the hours so I don't have to keep going through. But there's been lots of followers given out from the podcast horseman accounts, whether it's been on Twitter or Instagram. And it's been nice to interact with a few more people. We've had a few more DMs as a result, which has been cool. And mm. uh, a lot of people... A lot of people enjoying it, which is kind of what we wanted. We wanted to give back yeah. to you guys because you've given us a lot, so we'd like to give that back to you too. Anyway, now that that's all said and done, let's quickly do the synopsis for next week's episode, and then we can all go and bugger off. Um, all right then, season six, episode 12. Only five episodes left to go, Michael. Oh. Oh. Five episodes left to go. This one is called Xerox of a Xerox. After the Sarah Lynn story breaks, Bojack gives a live interview on TV. Diane meets Guy's teenage son. <gasps> oh, sounds like a nice, quiet, uneventful episode of Bojack Horseman. You can probably give it a miss, to be honest. Uh, and we'll move on <laughs> to the next one. 
Yeah, that should be fun. No, but in all seriousness, you can't miss any of them from this point on. Not that you ever could. And if you want to find out what happens on that episode of BoJack Horseman and indeed Podcast Horseman, well, you'll have to come back, won't you? That's the deal. You know how it goes. We've got you right where we want you in the palms <laughs> of our hands. Anyway, until that point, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hanford. And this has been Podcast Horseman. 